I was studying, and I won't tell you where we're going to be at, but we're going to be in the Old Testament this morning. But as I was studying, I read this from Charles Swindoll. And a few words from him I just want to give by way of encouragement. We need a little humor sometimes in life. He entitled this, Laugh It Off. Here's what he says, It seems appropriate that we laugh at the stuff that drives us nuts instead of letting it sting our ulcers or irritate our hemorrhoids. Here's a few realities that he shares. The other checkout line always moves faster. Whatever hits the fan will not be evenly distributed. <laughs> Leak-proof seals will. Self-starters will not. Interchangeable parts won't. Fail-safe solutions aren't. The repairman will never have seen a model quite like yours before. <laughs> there's never enough time to do it right, but there's always time to do it over. Once you open a can of worms, you're never able to recan them. If you try to please everybody, nobody will like it. If you fiddle with anything long enough, you will break it. <laughs> Very true. And then we visited Sarasota this past Thursday, and I saw a tea towel that brought a chuckle. This isn't from Chuck Swindoll, but this is something else. Here's what it said on the tea towel, and we didn't get it. We should have bought it. I finally reached the wonder years. Wonder where I parked the car. Wonder where I left my phone. I do that one. Wonder where my glasses are. And wonder what day it is. It's on a tea towel, so should have got that one. Or you read in God's Word... That God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119 shares that. Jeremiah relates God's word of judgment in Jeremiah 5.14. Behold, I will make my words in your mouth fire, and there's this people would, and it shall devour them. Jeremiah preaches against false prophets in Jeremiah 23. Is not my word like fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces? Peter records in 1 Peter 2, 2 that we need God's word as spiritual food. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. As believers, we must have God's word, his message to get through each day in this world around us. In these last days, Paul reminds us in 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Our nation's government was founded on laws based on biblical principles. And here's a few examples that I had found, actually found this several years ago, made me think. But here are some of the principles that our nation's law are founded on sovereign authority of God, not sovereignty of the state or sovereignty of man. That's the principle. We have a legal document, Mayflower Compact, the Declaration, Constitution, Currency, Oaths, Mention of God, and all 50 state constitutions, 
and the Pledge of Allegiance. And then it gives a whole list of where that's spoken of in the Bible. Exodus 18.16, 20 verse 3, Deuteronomy 10.20, John 19.11, Acts 5.29, Romans 13.1, just some of the examples. And then the principle, creation, not evolution. That's spoken of in the Declaration based on Genesis 1.1. Servanthood, not political power. That's a good principle. The concept of public servant. Exodus 18.21, Romans 13.4, Philippians 2.7. Just examples there. Every American president has taken his oath on the Bible except two. And referencing God in his inaugural address is standard. Every one of the 50 state constitutions calls on God for support. Perhaps the most famous statement in America's Declaration of Independence is, all men are created equal. The concept of universal human rights and equality comes exclusively from the biblical ideas that all people are created in the image of God. And I think that might be it. There's like 12, 13, here's one more. In summary, let's refer to our nation's creed, the Pledge of Allegiance, which sums up our way of life. It is based on a three-legged stool of God, liberty, and justice. All three must be there. If God is not there, ethics and rights are defined by whoever has the most power. So that's just some of the examples. I've found about 12 pages of a lot of the principles that our nation's founded on is based on the Bible. We don't hear that a lot in the news, do we? But it's very true. We live in America where God's message through His Word has for the most part been rejected. Pulpits are filled with false teachers who entertain the social gospel or the feel-good messages that are leading people on the broad road that leads to an eternity without God. Our study this morning in God's Word is going back to a time between 605 and 586 B.C. As we look at a prophet who gave God's message was totally rejected. Jeremiah was a contemporary of Zephaniah, Habakkuk, Daniel, and Ezekiel. A dark time in Judah's history where Jeremiah the prophet spoke a message from God that was very unpopular. So please join me in Jeremiah chapter 38. And here we find three ways God's message, God's word was rejected. And as we look at this Old Testament chapter, let's empathize with this prophet and seek to understand the tough times he lived in. And as we finish this chapter, we'll seek together God's help in knowing what to do when God's word is rejected today. Let's first uh, prepare the word of prayer. Father God, as we look at Jeremiah, your prophet that spoke to a nation that didn't want to hear what you had to say, we so much empathize with him as our life today, so much of your word, so much of the principles 
are not received in our own nation. And we pray as Daniel, we pray as Jeremiah for our country. United States of America, we enjoy freedoms, we enjoy wealth, we don't have all the things, all the persecution going on worldwide, but it's beginning, Lord, and we should be prepared for it. I pray as we look at Jeremiah, we would have a new understanding of when your word, when we share your word, when we share the gospel with those around us, it's not always going to be easy. But Father, that we do it anyway because you've told us to. Your word commands it. Give me the words to speak, Lord, as we delve into Jeremiah 38. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before we look at these three ways God's word was rejected, we need a little background on the prophet Jeremiah. When Jeremiah wrote this, there were no completed scriptures. So God used men like Jeremiah's prophets who were actually spokesmen of God's message to God's chosen nation. Prophets had a tough life. You remember Noah preached for 120 years while building an ark and nobody listened? Nathan who confronted King David concerning his adultery with Bathsheba and murder of her husband Uriah? Elijah, who ran from Queen Jezebel when she threatened his life. That's just a few examples. But Jeremiah, the prophet, was given the tough task of sharing God's unpopular message with King Zedekiah, a king who wanted his ears tickled and not the truth. Jeremiah faced consequences when he shared God's word, and those are recorded as we look At the last part of chapter 37, verse 13, there was part what happened while he was at the gate of Benjamin, a captain of the guard, his name was Urijah, the son of Salim, the son of Hananiah was there, and he arrested Jeremiah the prophet, saying, you're going over to the Chaldeans. But Jeremiah said, a lie, I'm not going over to the Chaldeans, yet he would not listen to him. So, Erijah arrested Jeremiah and brought him to the officials. They're angry, it says, at Jeremiah. They beat him, put him in jail in the house of Jonathan the scribe, which they had made into a prison. For Jeremiah had come in a dungeon, that is, the vaulted cell. Jeremiah stayed in there many days. He wasn't treated well, but he was doing what a prophet needed to do, and that is share God's word with the nation. So with all that in background, as we know a little bit about Jeremiah, let's look at the first way God's word, God's message is rejected as we look at Jeremiah 38, beginning at verse 1. And I may not pronounce all these right. I've read through them a couple times, so excuse me if I don't pronounce them all correctly. Now, Sephatiah, the son of Matan, and Gedaliah, the son of Pasher, and Jukal, the son of Shelemiah and Pasher, the son of Malchijah, heard the words that Jeremiah was speaking to all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, He who stays in this city will die by the sword, and by famine, and by pestilence. But he who goes out to the Chaldeans will live, and have his own life as booty, and stay alive. Thus says the Lord, This city will certainly be given 
into the hand of the army of the king of Babylon, and he will capture it. Then the official said to the king, Now let this man be put to death, inasmuch as he's discouraging the men of war who are left in the city and all the people by speaking such words to them. For this man is not seeking the well-being of this people, but rather their harm. So Zedekiah said, Behold, he is in your hands, for the king can do nothing against you. Wow, that's a tough situation, isn't it? Similar to Daniel in the lion's den in Daniel 6. But before we look at this in detail, that first way God's word is rejected is that God's messenger was plotted demise. They wanted him dead. They wanted to kill him. They want to get rid of him. Jeremiah is plotted by jealous men, just like with Daniel in Daniel 6. There were rumors galore about Jeremiah even saying this prophet is a traitor. Why? Because he's speaking God's truth for a nation ready for judgment. We have no Old Testament prophets on this earth now, but we as believers have God's word to share with our fellow citizens that judgment is coming for the open and rebellious sins of our nation and for our personal sins. Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but when that is rejected, then those who reject it have to pay for those sins. So will this message of judgment, of sin, will that make us popular in America or anywhere in this world? Will we be popular? They'll be saying, that's a great message, I want to hear more. No, it won't. But does that mean we don't risk persecution for Jesus' namesake? Philippians 1.29 shares, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Philippians 3.10, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. And Acts 5.41, So they, the apostles, departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing, that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. While unbelievers, enemies of God, seek to harm, slander, and do evil to us, we're to expect it. But then we claim, James 1, 2, My brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ, count it all joy in the Lord when you fall into various trials. It's always that encompassment that we know the Lord is with us. He is directing us. He will allow nothing more in our lives than we can take because He is with us, to walk through it with us. Jeremiah's enemies plotted this prophet's death because King Zedekiah and his royal court didn't want to hear God's message. And then we read again in verse 5, the pitiful response of the king as this was being plotted against Jeremiah. Again, what does it say in verse 5? King Zedekiah said, Behold, he is in your hands, for the king can do nothing against you. John MacArthur shares, This represents the spineless evasion of his duty by a leader who rejected God's word. The king didn't want to hear it, and so he wouldn't do anything to those 
who were wanting to kill Jeremiah, God's prophet. As God's messenger, Jeremiah's death was on the radar of those who wouldn't tolerate God's message. Today, by application, we can expect the same. When we share the gospel as Paul, Peter, and Jesus experienced, we've heard and seen it in Africa, Central America, some even starting in America, but we've seen it through SOS as they reach out to the lost. They're getting a violent reaction. They don't want to hear it. But do we quit? God says, no, I will strengthen you. I will walk with you just like he is here with Jeremiah. Paul experienced this firsthand. On one occasion in Acts fourteen nineteen states, Then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the mob action, the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragging him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. I don't think Paul was in good shape, was he? When they drug him out, they thought he was dead. Peter and company experienced it too. In Acts 5, verse 40, and it says, And they agreed, the false teachers, the false religious leaders, with Gamaliel, and they had called for the apostles and beaten them. They commanded they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Jesus, the Son of God, was plotted against by false religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. And we read in John 19, Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they struck him with their hands. The chief priests and officers saw Jesus and cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Stephen in Acts 7 underwent a martyr's persecution in Acts 7. The crowd reacts to Stephen's message. And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. And they stoned Stephen. So the first way God's word is rejected is God's messenger, Jeremiah's plotted demise. Now we move on to the second way God's word is rejected. God's messenger is persecuted. God's messenger is persecuted. And we pick it up in verse 6. Then they took Jeremiah and cast him into the cistern of Malchajah, the king's son, which was in the court of the guardhouse, and they let Jeremiah down with ropes. Now in the cistern there was no water, but only mud, and Jeremiah sunk into the mud. Doesn't sound like a well, good reception to his message, does it? Jeremiah is being persecuted. He's let down into the mire, into the mud, the bottom of a cistern, and he sinks down into it. We saw a cistern while visiting one of the historical homes in Savannah, Georgia. And a cistern was a place to store water. We didn't have a faucet. They didn't have a faucet then. They could turn on and off, and they got all the water they needed. But this one was dried out, just had mud down in the bottom. You can imagine as they let him down, uh, some picture it that Jeremiah was up to about his armpits in mud. 
And there he was. But then we see as we go on, there's someone that God called into the picture. And I love this part, beginning of verse 7. Here's Jeremiah down in the mud. Verse 7, But Abed-Melech, the Ethiopian, a eunuch, while he was in the king's palace, heard they had put Jeremiah into the cistern. Now the king was sitting in the gate of Benjamin. And Abed-Melech went out from the king's palace and spoke to the king. Here's somebody speaking up for Jeremiah. Saying, My lord the king, these men have acted wickedly in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast into the cistern. And he will die right where he is because of the famine, for there's no more bread in the city. Then the king commanded Abed-Melech the Ethiopian, saying, Take thirty men from here under your authority. Bring up Jeremiah the prophet from the cistern before he dies. So Abed-Melech took the men under his authority, went into the king's palace to a place beneath the storeroom, and took from there worn-out clothes and worn-out rags, and let them down by ropes into the cistern to Jeremiah. Then Abed-Melech the Ethiopian said to Jeremiah, Now put these worn-out clothes and rags under your armpits, under the ropes. And Jeremiah did so. So they pulled Jeremiah up with the ropes and lifted him out of the cistern, and Jeremiah stayed in the court of the guardhouse. I don't think it was an accident that Abed-Melech showed up, and he heard about what had happened to Jeremiah. You can picture him down in the bottom of this cistern, probably up to his armpits in mud. But Abed-Melech was moved and he went to the king and he said, they did wickedly, these men did, that are plotting against them and he's going to die if you just leave him there. Can you imagine? Can you picture being mud up to here? And there you were. What could you do? You couldn't look at your cell phone. You couldn't uh, get to your computer. Couldn't do anything except just be there. And why was he there? Because these men and the king had rejected God's word. They didn't want to hear it. It's what God said, but they didn't want to hear it. So this Ethiopian eunuch intervenes. Persecution in Jeremiah's day, it was life-threatening. As we've seen, those who hated God's word planned his death, Jeremiah's death. They couldn't kill him, they would at least persecute him. Persecution around the world continues for those who seek to deliver God's message. We just heard earlier the update with the SOS ministries. Wasn't it a great opportunity to be able to help a little bit for this man and his family to, to be moved from the place where they were living to a place on their own on this compound that, that we could have some part in it. Wasn't that great? Wasn't that a blessing that we could do that? And as Joe has said in the past, we all, when they look at, at America, when they look at Americans, we all seem rich. Well, compared to what's going on in those places in Africa, we are. But we're also richly blessed by God at opportunities where we can help those who are in need. Fox's Book of Martyrs records all those killed are persecuted because they shared God's word. They shared the gospel. We're warned of persecution in 
1 Thessalonians 2.14. For you, brethren, become imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea and Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets have persecuted us. And they do not please God and are contrary to all men. Who do we live for every day? Who do we wake up in the morning and say, boy, I've got my list of things to do. Oh, yeah, Lord, you're on the list, but you're down here number eight. When God wakes us up in the morning, we have a purpose, and that is to what? Live for Him. Share the gospel as opportunities come. And we've heard from Pastor Steve and Pastor Joe many times, time is short. We don't know how much more time we have as a nation, as a person, but when our time is up on this earth, those opportunities to witness for Him will be done. And we'll be with the Lord forever. That's a great promise. But in the meantime, people around us are going to hell one by one. A martyr's persecuted list, if we wanted to look in the Bibles in Hebrews 11, beginning of verse 32. We won't read all that list. There are many there who were persecuted in many, many ways. So a second way God's word is rejected is God's messenger is persecuted. Now we come to the third and final way. And the third way God's message or word is rejected is God's word is ignored. God's word is ignored. We pick it up here. Verse 14. Then King Zedekiah sent and had Jeremiah the prophet brought to him at the third entrance that is in the house of the Lord. And the king said to Jeremiah, I am going to ask you something. Do not hide anything from me. Boy, a little change of heart, you think? Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, If I tell you, and there's the prophet's heart, will you not certainly put me to death? Beside, if I give you advice, you'll not gonna, you won't listen to me. But King Zedekiah swore to Jeremiah in secret, saying, As the Lord lives who made this life for us, surely I will not put you to death, nor will I give you over to the hand of these men who are seeking your life. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, Thus says the Lord God of hosts. I like how he begins when he gives that message from the Lord. If you will indeed go out to the officers of the king of Babylon, then you will live. This city will not be burned with fire, and you and your household will survive. But if you will not go out to the officers of the king of Babylon then this city will be given over to the hand of the Chaldeans. They will burn it with fire, and you yourself will not escape from their hand. God's word was again unpopular to King Zedekiah, but it's what Jeremiah was commanded to do. Deliver God's message no matter what. Sharing God's message in Jeremiah's day was unpopular if it didn't give the listeners a pat on the back. Today, many of our so-called mega churches don't honor the truth of God's Word, but are social clubs with worldly methods that create a crowd. God's Word must be the center of any local church, and if it isn't, then it's ignoring God's message. 
for believers today. We read here as we've been reading this story. We read in verse 19. Here's what the great king Zedekiah says. Then king Zedekiah said to Jeremiah. I dread the Jews who have gone over to the Chaldeans. For they may give me over into their hand and they will abuse me. A weak king. Not serving the Lord. Not listening to God's word. Jeremiah was given a promise not to let anyone, not to be killed or be put to death. But the message that Jeremiah was giving to Zedekiah was surrender. But he doesn't want to do that as we see they might abuse or do something violent. He was a coward who didn't respond to God's message through Jeremiah but was easily intimidated. So Jeremiah, he pleads with the king. Jeremiah says, beginning of verse 20, Jeremiah said, they will not give you over. Please obey the Lord in what I am saying to you. Remember, this is the king who let him put Jeremiah down in the cistern where he well could have died, but because of Bedmelech, intervene God used him he was able to be pulled back up but here's Jeremiah pleading to the king please obey the Lord in what I am saying to you that it may go well with you and you may live but if you keep refusing to go out this is the word which the Lord has shown me then behold all the women who have been left in the palace of the king of Judah are going to be brought out to the officers of the king of Babylon. And those women will say, your close friends have misled and overpowered you while your feet were sunk in the mire. They turned back. They will also bring out all your wives and your sons to the Chaldeans. And you yourself will not escape from their hand, but will be seized by the hand of the king of Babylon. And this city will be burned with fire. And then we see verse 24 Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, Let no man know about these words, and you will not die. Why did the king not want that known? Because God's message was clear as to what they should do. They should surrender. They should go to those officials and give themselves up. But if not, if they didn't want to obey God's word through Jeremiah, then they would be burned, they would be killed, they would be destroyed. And the king wants that conversation with Jeremiah. Let's just kind of keep this confidential. I don't want anybody else to know about it. Again, why was he so cowardly? Because King Zedekiah's eyes were not on the Lord. They were elsewhere. Looking at himself and seeing how he had no chance against Babylon. Only God could deliver him, but he didn't look to God. So... Beginning of verse 25, we see how this continues. If the officials here, now he's going to say, they're going to ask you some questions, prophet Jeremiah. If the officials here that I have talked with you and come to you and say to you, tell us now what you said to the king and what the king said to you. Do not hide it from us and we will not put you to death. Oh, that's a good promise. (laughs) 
And then you are to say to them, I was presenting my petition before the king, which he was, pleading, not to make me return to the house of Jonathan to die there. Then all the officials came to Jeremiah and questioned him. So he reported to them in accordance with all these words which the king had commanded. And they ceased speaking with him since the conversation had not been overheard. So Jeremiah said what he said to them and they left him alone. But then uh, he kept the, the words of what he had said to the king confidential. But he pleaded with the king who had really rejected God and Jeremiah to please do what God told him to do. But we see that it's not going to be the happening in Zedekiah's life. That, And when we ignore God's word, does it just God say, okay, there's no consequence, there's no judgment, there's no reckoning before me? No, he holds us accountable because when God gives us his word to study and to have teachers teach us or to do something about it as it says in James be doers of the word not hearers only we can hear things but until we respond to it it doesn't become a part of our lives so now we need to see what is going to happen to Jeremiah and we come to verse 28 so Jeremiah stayed in the court of the guardhouse until the day that Jerusalem was captured. So he didn't go back to the cistern, did he? He was at least above ground, so to speak, not in the mud, not in the mire. But all during this time we see Jeremiah was true to his calling as a prophet. I will share what God says to the nation and to the king. And then it's up to them whether they obey or not. It cost him, but he was committed to obey God no matter what. What about us this morning? In Jeremiah, God's message was rejected by God's messenger. His demise was plotted. They wanted to kill him. He was persecuted. He was tormented. And then finally, God's message was ignored what do we do when God's word is rejected in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in society, in our homes, and in the media? Matthew 5.11 shares, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. And then it says, and this is hard to believe, it says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Why? For great is your reward where? In heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 1 Peter 4.16 proclaims, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Who do we glorify? Who do we live for? Who do we praise God every morning when we wake up and we say, God, thank you for saving me. I'm a sinner. I didn't deserve it. But I praise you that you saved me. 2 Timothy 3.11 But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of all of them, all the Lord delivered me. 
Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And then Ephesians 6.10 records, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of whose might? His might. Verse 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. God wants us to stand while we're here on this earth. We can't do it ourselves in our own strength. Only through the power of God the Holy Spirit within us. Let's stand like the prophet Jeremiah in our country. Our country needs that. He wants us to share God's word. The gospel. Whether it's popular or not. And know and say to God, here I am Lord, use me. As I was preparing this message, I remembered an old hymn, Who is on the Lord's Side? And I had to look at that and look at the words again. just reminded me, Who is on the Lord's side? Who will serve the King? Who will be His helpers, other lives to bring? Who will leave the world's side? Who will face the foe? Who is on the Lord's side? Who for Him will go? By Thy call of mercy, by Thy grace, divine we are on the lord's side savior we are thine we belong to him praise god this morning i was also thinking as i served as a chaplain in the army there was a some pocket cards that i was able to get and one of them i gave out to soldiers and i wanted to share with you as we close this portion of scripture it's called the cross in my pocket I carry a cross in my pocket, a simple reminder to me of the fact that I am a Christian no matter where I may be. This little cross is not magic, nor is it a good luck charm. No, it isn't meant to protect me from every physical harm. It's not for identification. It's for all the world to see. It's simply an understanding between my Savior and me. When I put my hand in my pocket to bring out a coin or key, the cross is there to remind me of the price he paid for me. It reminds me too to be thankful for my blessings day by day and to strive to serve him better in all that I do and say. It's also a daily reminder of the peace and comfort I share with all who know my master and give themselves to his care. So I carry a cross in my pocket, reminding no one but me that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, if only I'll let him be. And this is what the little cross looks like, just kind of embossed in there. But I had soldiers who went into combat and came back, and it was kind of wrinkled up, and they'd say, I hung on to that. I knew God was with me, even though my life was being threatened. The Lord is with us. No matter what comes in our country, we, we're in a free country, praise God. We can share the gospel. But there's going to be persecution and we need to stand up like Jeremiah stood up, even though he faced the message from God being rejected. We too can be encouraged by Jeremiah. 
Let's close in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for the example of Prophet Jeremiah that he didn't give up. He shared the message you laid on his heart. He didn't back down. Lord, may we not as well. Those around us, that neighbor, that person we work with, we can't stand that person, uh, that neighbor who has dollar a week, keeps getting on our lawn. Lord, without you, without accepting what you did upon the cross, they're going to an eternity to hell. We pray, Father, you would give us not hearts of judgment, but hearts of compassion like we saw in, and we see in Jesus and throughout Scripture. May we look at opportunities, Lord, when the hard times come, when the challenges come, and look to you first and trust you each day that you give us on this earth. Encourage all here, Lord, that not to give up, not to quit, not to be on the sideline, but with your strength and your strength alone to live each day for you. Challenge myself, I, I encourage each one here to take God's word and apply it and live by it. We pray all this and thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Have a great week.